0: Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums specially curated to accompany your weekly Come Follow Me studies. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Brothers and sisters, after receiving the call from President Worth and asking me to speak in devotional today, I spent a considerable amount of time thinking about what I might say. One evening, my daughter Andrea, who is a recent graduate of BYU, said, Dad, don't worry. When I was a student, I always went to devotional to feel the Spirit and to have a rest from the stress of a week of school. As long as you bring the Spirit, it will be okay. My prayer since then has been for the Spirit to attend us here today and to teach us all something new. I would like to start with a favorite scripture. In the book of First Nephi, the young Nephi desires to see the same things that his father Lehi saw in vision. An angel comes and shows him what Lehi saw, and even more, and then asks him, Knowest thou the condescension of God? And Nephi replies, I know that he loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. I remember as a boy reading the Book of Mormon and coming to these verses and thinking, I don't even know what that word condescension means. But wow, I love Nephi's answer. He knew that his heavenly father loved him, and that was what mattered most to him. I've spent years pondering this declaration of Nephi. It tells me who I am, that I am a child of a loving father in heaven, Many in the world today deny the divinity of man. They claim that we are merely the victors in a biological race for superiority of the species on this planet. But I testify that through holy prophets, God has revealed that there is a purpose to our lives as his children. We should all rejoice in this knowledge that we have, but we should also receive that not all people have it. After arriving in the mission field many years ago, one of the first things I learned was that most of the people in Taiwan that I came into contact with had no concept of God as their Father in heaven. And I soon realized that I, however, had always just taken it for granted. Back then, the discussions were memorized and were designated by letters of the alphabet. My favorite discussion quickly became the de-discussion on the plan of salvation. I loved it mainly because it allowed us to teach this most fundamental truth, that of our relationship to a loving Heavenly Father. I saw it change the lives of the Chinese saints. Once they learned it, they were changed people, and they radiated a love for their Heavenly Father. In contrast, a few years ago, We had a graduate student in our department who exhibited the opposite. Having been raised in a communist and atheist country, he had no knowledge of what we're talking about today. At one point in his studies, he had a series of setbacks. From these, he concluded that fate had turned against him. He felt powerless and not in control of his own destiny, and he concluded he was not meant to complete his graduate degree and decided to leave our program but he was an excellent student and was making good progress towards his degree. I was pleased that his advisor counsel with him and eventually convinced him to stay. He completed a strong dissertation and obtained an excellent position with a major corporation, but never came to understand the love of his Father in Heaven. I have found that when I think about God specifically in the context of his being my Father, And me being his son, I've learned some important things, some insights. Further, when I combine that with what I have learned as a son of earthly parents and as a father to my children, I've learned even more. I'd like to talk today about four of these insights. Insight number one, children grow up to be like their parents, and that applies to us as well. If God is really my Father, then I am in the process of growing up to be like him if I so choose. We've been taught that is the purpose of this life, to ultimately lead the kind of life that God lives. God told Moses, For behold, this is my work and my glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life. Regarding this eternal life, God has given this promise in DNC section 14, if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. Elder Delbert Stapley taught, eternal life is God's life, which he hopes to share with all his children. So how do we come to inherit eternal life? That is, how do we become like God? Christ gave us the ultimate goal when he said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That is a tall order to fulfill indeed. I remember as a young boy, I viewed the gospel mainly through the lens of commandments. To me, the gospel was a set of rules that I was to follow, and that was that. But later I realized the gospel maybe was more than a checklist of rules. I realized it was about what I was trying to become and who I was trying to become like. I realized it was about helping me fulfill my eternal destiny of becoming like my Father in heaven. If that becomes our focus, does that mean we won't keep the commandments? We won't study the scriptures. We won't do our home teaching. We won't attend the temple, nor we won't pay tithing. No, we will do all those things but we will do them for different reasons, for better reasons. Have you ever thought about the purpose of the various commandments? I know that as a father, I know what I want for my children. I hope it has some similarities with what Heavenly Father wants for me. I know that every night when I pray for my children, I pray for their safety, their happiness, and their growth. And I believe that is precisely why our Father in Heaven has given us commandments, He knows that if we follow them, they will lead us to safety, happiness, and growth. And that growth will lead us in the direction of becoming perfect, even as our Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Insight number two. What are the ways that Father might react to my disobedience? Now, I've always assumed that God is unhappy with me when I fail to do what I should, when I just go and do dumb things. But I don't think I had thought much more about how he really feels until one day I had an experience with one of my own children. One day my wife called me on the phone, fairly upset, and said, I just got off the phone with a high school. Child so-and-so's teacher just called me to say that our child has been a real problem in class the past few days and has been severely disciplined. I was surprised by my reaction. To my surprise, I was not angry. All I felt was a mixture of disappointment and sorrow. And at that moment, I just wanted to take that child into my arms and tell them how much I loved them and how badly I felt he had not lived up to his potential and had fallen short. And then it hit me. Could this possibly be how my Father in Heaven feels about me when I make mistakes? That he is disappointed and sad? I'm a bit embarrassed to say that this thought had never occurred to me in quite that way before then. Now, all I wanted was for my child to learn and grow from this experience. It was not a fatal error. Could this also be how my Father in Heaven feels about me? Is that why he is so ready to forgive? That was a very reassuring thought to me. I think it was in that moment I may have caught a finite glimpse into the infinite love and care God has for me, even though I am often a wayward child. Well, to finish my story, were there consequences for our child as a result of the bad behavior? There were. But they were motivated by our wanting to help this child learn from a bad choice, rather than being motivated by a desire to mete out punishment. I only wish I always was able to respond in that way. Insight number three. We have experiences, often challenging ones, given to us by our Father to help us grow. As parents, Julie and I have regularly tried to provide experiences for our children simply because we thought they would be good for them. They would help them grow. For example, in our home, everybody took piano lessons. The goal was never Carnegie Hall, but simply to become proficient and to learn to love music. I think our children realized early on it was just a part of being a Nelson. that they are grown, you could ask each of them if they always saw practicing the piano as a positive and growing experience. And if they were to say yes, you would know they're lying. (laughs) Because at times, I know, they all grew tired of the effort required. They either did not comprehend or had lost sight of the goal. But none has ever expressed regret for learning to play, and at one time or another since, all have expressed gratitude. I believe our Father in Heaven gives us specific experiences, sometimes challenging ones. Does he ask us to do these things because they will be for our own good? I believe that absolutely everything our Heavenly Father asks us to do is because it will be for our own good. Take family history, for instance, one of my very favorite topics. President Hinckley said that as we search out our ancestors and do their temple work, we literally become saviors on Mount Zion for those who have no means of advancing unless something is done in their behalf by those on earth. How many commandments can you think of that have been given where, in our fulfilling of that commandment, we are referred to as saviors? What a blessing! That said, as I look at the state of my genealogical records and the mess that they are often in, I wonder if God couldn't find a far more efficient way to get families sealed together if that was the only goal. But I believe there is more to it than that. Our lives are blessed beyond comprehension. And I testify that as we do family work, family history work, we are blessed. I also testify that I have felt closer to the Spirit while doing family history work than anything I've ever done in my life. This is only one such example. Can you not say that you have benefited as much or more than anyone else when you have magnified your calling as a missionary or as a scoutmaster or visiting teacher, paid your tithing, fulfilled your priesthood duty, or given service to someone in need? To me, the miracle of the gospel is that everything we do benefits us as well as others. To use a popular phrase, it is win-win. Insight number four. As a father, I'm sorry. Insight number four is God is mindful of me and provides tender mercies to bless my life. As a father, I am always watching my children and at times I try to provide help. This help comes in a variety of forms, from giving advice to providing for their physical needs. But sometimes it seems that what my children need most is just encouragement to know that they are loved and that we as their parents are there to help. In my experience, our Father in Heaven treats us similarly. Often, his help comes in the form of tender mercies. In 2005, Elder Bednar gave to me what was what to me was a landmark talk in General Conference. His talk focused on the tender mercies provided to us by a loving Father in heaven. In his talk, he said, The Lord's tender mercies are the very personal and individualized blessings, strength, protection, assurances, guidance, loving-kindnesses, consolation, support, and spiritual gifts which we receive from and because of and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, the Lord suits his mercies according to the conditions of the children of men. In other words, they are the customized blessings and direction that God gives to each of us to suit our needs. Importantly, as Elder Bednar said, often the Lord's timing of his tender mercies helps us to both discern and acknowledge them. That is a very telling comment to me. According to Elder Bednar, the Lord wants us to recognize and acknowledge His tender mercies for what they are—customized blessings, assurances, and protection. To me, there is nothing so exciting as to see the hand of the Lord working in my life, to see that things didn't simply happen in their natural course, but to see that God has truly stepped in and done something just for me, Or alternatively, as President Monson has said, that God has used me to provide help to someone else. When giving talks, I think we all like to talk about such experiences, and I am no exception. Why is that? I think it's because they are our rarest of jewels, the most precious experiences we have in our lives. They are the very substance of our testimonies. They confirm our faith that God lives, that He loves us, and that out of the billions of people on the earth, He knows each of us and is interested enough to step in and help us in specific and personal ways. Now, These tender mercies come in many ways and varieties. But because I have a daughter, Wendy, who is now serving a full-time mission, I would like to share some missionary work-related tender mercies. I have spent the years since my mission deeply pondering the effects of my service. Did I do what the Lord wanted me to do? Could I have done more? And the most pointed question I have often asked is, did I accomplish any good? The Lord has given me specific tender mercies over the years to provide me comfort and at least partial answers to these questions. They did not come at once, but in hindsight, I can see that they came when I needed them. Importantly, they came at a time and in a way that helped to build my testimony that God knows me and is personally mindful of me. In 2006, I returned to Taiwan to teach a short course in my research area. While there, I attended church in the last area I served as a missionary. That day, after returning from church to my hotel room, the phone immediately rang. And the caller, who was in a different city in Taiwan, told me the following. She said that as a part of the 50th anniversary of the church in Taiwan, they had been been given a form to fill out in church meetings that very Sunday. The purpose of this form was to help them locate lost missionaries they hadn't heard from for years. She said she and her sisters had filled out the form and had decided to put my name on it. She said almost immediately after returning home from their church meetings, their phone rang. Their uncle called to say, Brent Nelson is in Taiwan. He had seen me at church in this other city. As a result, they immediately found me. Well, I was speechless. My companion and I, we had taught this family all through the late fall and winter of 1977. We had fallen in love with this family, especially the six children, ranging from junior high school age down to toddler. They were a wonderful family, but when I left, they had not accepted the gospel. I learned that they had been baptized, but only later. As we visited on the phone that day in my hotel room, I learned that not only had they joined the Church, but almost all of the children in that family, daughters and sons alike, had served missions, married faithful members, and were now raising their own families in the light of the gospel. A few days after receiving that phone call, I traveled to where some of them now live to visit. Upon arriving, I walked in and saw the room contain more than 40 family members. During the visit, many tears, especially mine, were shed. To quote Elder Bednar, some may count this experience as simply a nice coincidence, but I testify that the tender mercies of the Lord are real and that they do not occur randomly or merely by coincidence. I have since wondered just who the tender mercy I've just related was intended for. Their desire to reconnect with one of the missionaries who taught them the gospel had been fulfilled that very day. But I had been allowed to see a part of the results of my labors. I will forever love the Ton family. My second experience is quite recent. It actually occurred while I was writing this talk. But by way of background, we first need to go back 36 years. My companion and I were some of the very first missionaries to work the town of Junon. There was no branch of the church there. There were no members. Over a series of weeks, we knocked on hundreds of doors in that town without, to us, any visible success. At that point in time, to me, the only memorable thing about Junon was that at night, after tracting all day, as we trudged in the dark on our bikes through the rice fields back to our apartment, we would often stop and admire the rice fields filled with fireflies. But one day after weeks of no success, we came to a house, and a teenage boy answered the door. And when he opened the door, he said, May I which literally means nobody is here. (laughs) Interesting comment. He had been coached by his mother to say that, by the way. We looked at him and I said, well, you are home, can we talk with you? He turned out to be a wonderful young man and he quickly developed a strong testimony of the gospel and of the reality of his heavenly father and he soon entered the waters of baptism. Brother Wu, very soon thereafter, went on to serve a mission himself, then married and raised a righteous family. Now, fast forward to four weeks ago in early May of this year. Julie and I were accompanying the BYU ballroom dance team on their tour of China and Hong Kong. Shortly before we left, I learned we would be in a city where Brother Wu's son was now living. I emailed ahead and asked if we could meet. We spent a wonderful evening together with him and his wife, Alice. And we talked at length about what a blessing that day, 36 years ago, had been in both their lives as well as in ours. The next morning on Sunday, we attended a local branch meeting with them. Afterwards, we were taking pictures together to remember the occasion. At that point, somebody tapped me on the shoulder out of nowhere and said, I know you. I used to be your missionary companion. I looked up to see Elder Vance and realized we were companions together when Brother Wu was baptized so many years ago. We had had no contact since the mission field. I said, John, do you know who this is, pointing to Wilford? He did not, and imagine his surprise when I told him that Wilford was the son of our very own Brother Wu from so many years ago. Here we were on separate business trips to a third country where none of us had ever had any contact, in a city of 24 million people, and we just happened to run into each other. And at the same time, I had located Brother Wu's son, Wilford. I knew it was an answer to my own specific and recent prayers. But as with my previous experience, it blessed everyone involved everyone involved and I realized it was just not for me during our visit with Wilford and Alice while we were there Wilford's wife Alice told us of a similar experience she'd had and with her permission I would like to share it last year she was on an internship in Berlin Germany while attending a church meeting one Sunday while she was there she was introduced to a Chinese woman who after shaking hands said wait You served a mission a year ago. You are the first missionary who taught me the first lesson. Alice did not recognize her at first glance, but soon remembered her face and her name and how they had met near the Hong Kong temple 18 months previously while Alice was serving there as a missionary. She remembered how she and her companion had taught this woman the first lesson. Alice said it was a powerful lesson and they gave her a Book of Mormon, but... They couldn't do any more because the woman was to return home to her country the next day. What Alice didn't know was that after that initial lesson, she returned home but wasn't able to attend church meetings to learn the gospel because the church is not recognized there. But when she later went to Germany for her graduate studies, she immediately sought out the church in Berlin, was taught, and was soon baptized. And there she was when Alice randomly showed up in Berlin, to use her words, because of an internship. As I reread Elder Bednar's talk while preparing this talk of my own, I was struck that he repeated essentially the same phrase three different times. Three different times. The points of this repeated phrase include the following. One, the Lord's tender mercies do not occur randomly or merely by coincidence. Two, faithfulness and obedience enable us to receive these important gifts. And three, frequently the Lord's timing helps us to recognize and acknowledge them. The experiences I've just related are gifts, even tender mercies. They're specific blessings given as answers To prayer by a loving Father to provide comfort and encouragement. To me, they are also unmistakable evidence of the truthfulness of Nephi's declaration when he said, I know that he loveth his children. Brothers and sisters, in summary, my testimony today is that along with Nephi, I glory that I have a Father in heaven who loves me and knows me. I am grateful for knowledge about my Father in Heaven that has been revealed through Latter-day Prophets. I have found great insights into the love of God for me by thinking specifically about Him as my Father. And these insights include, first, that we all have the potential to become like Him and live the life that He lives. Two, that everything He asks of of us in this life is for our benefit and is designed to help us in that growing process. Three, that there are parallels between the love and caring we have in proper family relationships and the love our Father in heaven has for us. Four, that just as earthly parents give their children challenging experiences to help them grow, our Father in heaven does the same with us. Five, That God gives each of us customized blessings in the form of tender mercies, which do not occur by chance or coincidence, but faithfulness and obedience enable us to receive them. Often the Lord provides them at a time and in a way to help us recognize and acknowledge them. I am grateful for the gospel in my life and the foundation it gives me. It is everything to me. I am grateful for a loving Heavenly Father who has designed the plan of salvation we taught in that D discussion so many years ago to be the great plan of happiness for each of us. I am grateful for modern-day prophets who have revealed important truths to us about God. I am grateful to have family ties here that help teach me about my life's quest to become more like my Father in Heaven. May we each learn to better qualify for and recognize the tender mercies of the Lord in our lives. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu. And click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.